Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Back in the screening room this week. It's been a little quiet lately, but uh, not so as we're back at it. In fact, it was very quiet next week because, uh, or last week, we didn't have a, a podcast. We were we were traveling and uh, losing our luggage. We were. We were. We got home uh, four or five days ago. Our luggage got home last night. Uh, but that, you know, that's the, the subject for another podcast. Welcome. <laughs> this is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from madwolf.com, checking out everything that's new in the theaters and on home entertainment this week. So let's start by catching up with our Lego friends. It's been five years since everything was awesome, and the citizens are facing a huge new threat. Lego Duplo invaders from outer space wrecking everything faster than they can rebuild the Lego Movie 2, the second part. Once. Everything was awesome. Now, everything is bleak. Hey, Lucy. I brought you coffee. Coffee. The bitter liquid that provides the only semblance of pleasure left in these dark times. Oh, my goshness. Did I interrupt you brooding just now? I'm General Mayhem. Bring me your fiercest leader. Lucy! Emmett! This is all my fault. Hang on to your fronds, Planny. We're going to save Lucy. Will you help me rescue my friends? You don't want to go anywhere near the Sistar system. It's ruled by an alien queen. Only the toughest are going to get out of there alive. Who are you? I'm your worst nightmare. You're me when I'm late to school and I forgot my homework and my pants are made of pudding? No, I don't. Huh. That's right. Everything is not awesome. <laughs> you know what, though? That's not as catchy as everything is awesome. <laughs> well, but, uh, they also, had to do something. You know, don't tell Emmett, because he's just as happy-go-lucky as he ever has been. <laughs> he's just as optimistic and full of energy and happiness as he ever has been, which has become kind of a source of, of problem, source of a problem with the rest of the citizens, because Brickburg is now called Apocalypseburg. <laughs> and uh, the whole the whole sort of tone of the town is kind of like Fury Road. It's just this uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, because if you remember, at the end of the first one, after we got the whole big reveal of uh, Will Ferrell and came downstairs and what was going on, when they brought little sister into yep. the picture, yep. then she just starts wrecking everything. Yeah, she does. And so... And, and that's what leads to the wasteland. Yes, exactly. Is that when he, as he rebuilds it, he re just rebuilds it as a desolate wasteland because everything pretty and colorful draws the wrong kind of attention and then smash! <laughs> Yeah, so that I think that's pretty clever. Yeah, it is. Uh, and a lot about the movie is clever. But what's funny, too, is that not only does the sort of Mad Max dystopian future reflect a reality of, of one person who keeps wrecking your stuff, but also as the older boy is is aging and, and you know, yeah. he's approaching adolescence and that time of life where he's he's being told that he should just grow up and where he's trying to be, you know, broody and, you know, angsty and he's trying to be cool, you know, and then his inner Emmett is like, you know, everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this one is chock full of probably even more pop culture references, especially targeted at the main voice talent, Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah. There is this this movie is so heavy Chris Pratt. It's <laughs> it's pretty funny because Emmett uh goes in search of what happens is that aliens from the Sistar system uh steal as, as in yeah. sister. Yeah. Get it? Ha ha steal uh, uh most of the master builders, including Wild Style and, and Batman and and uh, and so he decides to just go off on his own and try to try to find them. 
uh, and he gets met halfway through by <laughs> Rex Danger Vest. <laughs> <laughs> I love that name. Who Rex is also, also voiced by Chris Pratt. Uh, and he, But it's Chris Pratt doing his best Kurt Russell, which is hilarious. <laughs> and great. he's in a spaceship. The spaceship is full of velociraptors. I mean, there's just, there are so many. And he's, you know, he's the sort of hunky, chiseled, cool version of Chris Pratt. Whereas, of course, Emmett is like the sort of doofusy, adorable version of Chris Pratt. It is pretty funny. Uh, yeah. It is. Uh, but I, I do kind of think that the movie gets a little bit bogged down in some of that. I mean, there there's this big sort of weird Back to the Future. I don't There's it, It's a little... Heavy-handed. Yeah, and here's the thing. On one hand, you give it credit for, I think it's trying to be maybe a little more meaningful this time. Yeah. Uh, so on one hand, that's to be lauded, but on the other hand, it does kind of bring bring the movie down a little bit. So people might leave thinking, well, that wasn't quite as fun. Well, here's you know? the thing, though. Honestly, everything's not that awesome, but... We can live with that. That's really the theme of the movie. That yeah. is. I'm not making it up. And so it does make for a little bit less of a of a good time. It's not quite as sunny as the first movie was. Right, right. But, uh, you know, there's even, and there's more cameos we don't want to mention. There's at least one big uh, big name who pops up in a cameo that, uh, that we didn't expect. <laughs> you love. But, uh, you know, we won't, we won't be spoiling that. It, you know, it starts with the fact that Legos are just fun, unless you step on them. Of right. course, we all know that. That's one of the things that made the first movie such a blast, and that song. Right. Uh, of course, although when, when our nieces were singing in our faces for an hour, then it wasn't quite so awesome. Nope. But, uh, <laughs> but that movie, you know, was a blast of fun. And, uh, you know, each successive one, you know, they had the Batman Lego, then the Lego Ninjago. I don't think any of them have quite measured up. And no. maybe part of it, you know, the, the freshness, the recency yeah. bias, I guess, uh, reverse recency bias, um, they, they, they just don't seem like that blast no. of, of freshness because they just they just aren't. We've, no. we've seen it before, mm -hmm. but uh, it's still fun, and uh, they still manage to get their shots in. But, yeah, by strangely, by uh, taking on maybe a little more meat of a story, it just brings it down just a, just a notch. It does. Next up, we find a woman boxed out by the male sports agents in her profession, but gaining an unexpected edge over them when she develops the ability to hear men's thoughts, what men want. I'm so sick of this boys club. Every day is payday. You don't connect well with men. Just stay in your lane. I don't trust women who don't get dudes. Like I don't trust a man with no eyebrows and too many keys. I know someone you should talk to. I can help you connect with men. Why don't we have some tea? This smells like dirt. Oh, that's just jasmine tea. If you don't count the weed, and the peyote, and the crack. I feel weird after last night. Yeah, that's what happens when tequila meets desperation. Okay, stop saying things you shouldn't be saying to your boss. Holy crap, can you hear my inner thoughts? I can hear your inner thoughts! This is not a curse. This is a gift. You I don't think I want to know. I don't think those are thoughts I would care to read. Well, you know what? That's that's one of the things, one of the many problems with this movie. You probably already know that it's a reimagining of what women want, which was almost 20 years ago. Sure. Here's another, you know, look how old we're getting. I can't believe that. It's been almost 20 years. But that was the Mel Gibson and the Helen Hunt fantasy uh, where uh, Mel could hear uh, all the women's voices and thoughts, I should say. And one of the things that helped, I mean, that movie was shallow. Let's not pretend. No. But one of the things I think that helped it was it 
it gave its two stars, and of course Helen Hunt was huge at the time, mm-hmm. and Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson, gave them plenty of, was, was confident in what they were able to do with the material yeah, yeah. to make it even more you know, palatable than, than it was. This one, Taraji P. Henson, is the, uh, the main star. She's the one, she's Allie, a sports agent, who through this big convoluted mess of a visit with a psychic uh, gets this ability to hear men's thoughts. And it's just one of the many convoluted, very obvious uh, set pieces that, uh, that this movie rolls out. But it just doesn't give her the same leeway. It, uh, it, she's pushed constantly to histrionics and mugging mm-hmm. and the big eyebrows and the faces, just like everybody in the movies so pretty much is. So I have to point fingers at uh, Adam Shankman, who's the director here, who has done at least one. He, he directed Hairspray. Oh, yeah. You know, that which was, fun. was a really exuberant blast of energy. Yeah, and this one has more just frantic energy looking for some humor. Um, like any comedy, it, it, it depends on your sense of humor. You may find it funnier than I did, but it's also just, it's, it's so lazy. Uh, it doesn't seem to have any concerns about continuity or logic. I mean, the, the film opens with a, she's on the phone. And it's one of those, of course, it's a scene where you don't hear the other person on the phone. You just hear her on the phone. And it's just about the most fake-sounding phone call. I mean, you might as well just put a, your pinky and your thumb up to your face. <laughs> it's 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 that much real of a phone call. So you're right off the ground. You're like, okay, everything is just so. Let's move on. That take, you know, take, let's go. And there's a scene where uh, Richard Roundtree plays her father. Okay, mm-hmm. great, Richard Roundtree. And he ends up in a conversation commenting to her on something that happened in a scene he wasn't even in. So <laughs> was there some editing there that somebody, oh, you know what, again, just keep moving on. It's fine. Let's, you know, that's the feeling that I got with it. And the other thing, you, you just brought it up talking about men's thoughts, They're, they don't seem authentic because they should be a little more, Let's let, the word should be maybe edgy yeah. than they are, than they actually end up being. Yeah, I mean, they had an opportunity here to, especially given the context, uh, to, to do a little bit more kind of stabbing at the, you know, boys club or sexism in the workplace or, and they just, they yeah, just don't. Very much so. She's, she's the one woman sports agent in this real hyper, you know, masculine mm-hmm, group led mm-hmm. by, led by Brian Bosworth plays her boss and you know what he's he's pretty decent Good. because there's a there's a lot of weak spots in this uh, ensemble cast and he's not one of them hmm. uh, kind of surprised me uh, and also who is not one of them is Tracy Morgan because oh, he's, yeah. he's just so nuts yeah he can't and he not be says funny crazy Tracy Morgan things <laughs> and you know and steals some scenes that way but you know we both know how talented Taraji P. Henson oh, yeah. is and can be, but she's just, to me, she's not given the chance here mm-hmm. because the material always, like you just said, it has a chance to go places and, and, and poke fun and call attention to some, some issues and just takes the easy way out and just the, the most pandering way out with, you know, used condom gags. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You, you have about, you know, sexual politics, gender issues, boys club in the boardroom, um, double standards, all that stuff. It's just just barely hinted at. And you can see the places where they could have gone. And it just never does. So I thought that the humor was very sophomoric and uh, the the entire thing just just reeked of a lazy, real convoluted uh, approach to to this fantasy, this reboot of the fantasy, and I thought it was really disappointing. Next up, we've got a snowplow driver. Mr. Plow? 
seeking revenge against the drug dealers he thinks killed his son. It's based on the 2014 Norwegian film In Order of Disappearance. It's Cold Pursuit. Kyle's dead. Tell me what happened. He got mixed up with some drug dealer. Viking. He likes hurting people. What is it with all these nicknames? Speedo, Viking, Eskimo. It's a gangster thing. Did you have a nickname? Wingman. Wingman. I'm gonna kill him. No, those guys. One guy could disappear. Two? Who wants me dead? Three of Viking's drug dealers have disappeared. What makes you think you can kill a man? I read it in a crime novel. <laughs> it's funny, when we first saw the movie poster for this uh, a few weeks ago, I thought it was a comedy. It was an obvious comedy because it showed a, a car in a tree. And uh, then you said at the time, no, I don't think so. I think it's a thriller. And now mm. we find out there is some humor in it. Yeah. The, the trailer, the trailers that they were showing for a long time were straight up. This is a Liam Neeson movie. Uh, and but then when you watch it, it's got uh, really the, the best things that it has going for it are these moments of absurd dark humor. Now, and this is the movie that Liam Neeson, he has been on this promotional tour for this movie. And this was the rounds he was making when he said those idiotic comments that he just said. Yes. Uh, he was trying to explain, uh, I think, um, how he Got channels the... Yeah. Because he so many of his characters, really nine since since the first Taken movie, are just a, a guy out for vengeance, right. right? Right. And, yeah, he was talking about sort of channeling that and um, in a way that I don't think any of us ever wanted to know. Whew. So, uh, yeah, so that made this film a little awkward, honestly. It's funny, you'd think maybe in a different situation, they might have just pushed the release date back. Mm -hmm. But considering this happened while he was promoting this right. movie, yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, they went with it. And it is a bit of a, a twist on the Liam Neeson kind of vehicle now because of that absurdist humor, which is uh, nice to see, really. Yeah, the original film is set in Norway, and this one is set in Kehoe, Colorado. So it's still just snow everywhere, and he keeps a path... You know, uh, there's just a wall of snow on either side, and he pushes a path through every day. That's what he does every day of his life. And so not only does it make for sort of a nice metaphor, it's also very visually fascinating, and it makes it easy for him to hide bodies and stuff. And not it, to mention cocaine. It's really easy to hide. <laughs> and it also should be mentioned that in the original movie, uh, the characters, the lead character's last name is Dickman. In this movie, Liam Neeson's last character's last name is Coxman. Yeah. So they, they, <laughs> that's where we're going. <laughs> they make they make a lot of jokes about that. But then also, you know, uh, everybody else, they're all they're all drug dealers. So they all have names like Viking, you know, and he makes a lot of fun of that. And and one of the things I enjoy about this movie is that there are certain scenes that are pointless. They're just they're just there to be weird. Mm -hmm. There are certain characters that are just there to be eccentric. And it's it's fun because you don't see that that often, certainly not in an American-made film. Uh, or a and, Liam Neeson movie. No, not in a Liam Neeson movie. And, the, you know, the plot is, is fine. It's very much a vehicle of, of, you know, that you'd expect from him. He just goes one by one by one up the chain until he finds, you know, the lead uh, of, the, of the drug cartel that is responsible for his son's death. Um, and that person is a hyper-healthy, macrobiotic... <laughs> You know, uh, not just, your typical drug drug henchman. No, and then and then what happens is he believes that his associates are all being killed by a rival drug 
clan. And that clan happens to be from an Indian reservation, also in Colorado. And so then these two clans start fighting with each other because nobody thinks for a second that it's the snowplow driver in Kehoe, Colorado, who's responsible for this. So that's interesting. And again, it's very similar to the original film. Uh, but and it um, also sounds like a uh, like a discarded uh, draft of uh, Sicario too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know there are so many things about it that are fresh and interesting given mm-hmm. the very stale premise. Uh, but in the end, it's it's a pretty stale premise. So you have to really <laughs> like I think Liam Neeson movies, and they do some nice things visually. There's a lot of color, a lot of color contrast. There's some really fun and interesting scenes visually speaking and of course there's just a lot of weirdness afoot which is fun yeah and it also shows how sometimes unexpected humor can can really boost something and give you an an unexpected result where you take looking at it from afar and you think okay this this really can't be a situation where humor would work but then it can yeah not that neeson's funny he's as dour as he ever is but everybody around him says funny things and it's uh you know it's not a bad time honestly yeah he could use a little levity right now One more major release this week. It's a mother concerned about her young son's disturbing behavior, thinking something supernatural may be affecting him, the prodigy. Nurturing genius. He's our little prodigy. Miles isn't wired like other kids. His intelligence is off the charts. I don't have an exact score, but it'll be very high. He's special. Mommy. What's wrong with me? He may need a specialist. Miles is dangerous. I don't feel safe with him in the house. Mommy. Will you always love me? No matter what I do. I'm always hopeful when a new horror film comes out. You know, I always just fingers crossed. Yep. And I go in yep. there and I, I hope for the best. And this just doesn't deliver. It's not that it's bad. It's not. I've seen a lot of bad horror films and this isn't one of them. But it's a pretty tired premise, you know, where something's wrong. The with, bad seed. Right. And is it supernatural or is he psychotic? And of Am course, I the, crazy? Right. The dad always wants to go with science. Let's just get him in to see some doctors. He's going to be fine. Somehow some bizarre cosmic, spiritual, demonic, whatever guru finds their way to the house and convinces the mom that maybe it's this other. It, I mean, it, it it happens so often that it's it's just hard to find a way to make it fresh. Right. And this movie doesn't do it. That that's almost the the thing there because when you see somebody doing this sort of premise again, you almost think, well, they they have to come up with some fresh angle, or else why would they be doing it? No, I and have it to makes say, it more of a surprise when they don't. Yeah, you're right. Because why? Somehow they got it got green lit and like, yeah, you know, let's let's go for that. Let's make that. Let's make that movie, but uh, you're you're looking for end up looking for something that is going to surprise and give a fresh angle on it, and it's just very strange when it doesn't happen. No, you're right. Now the performances are fine. Uh, Jackson Robert Scott plays the little boy, and he does a really good job. First of all, he's just beautiful. He has the biggest, widest, sweetest eyes, and he's got the David Bowie right. He's got one brown one or one one hazel one blue <laughs> eye. Um, and he does a really good job of going back and forth between being like the actually sweethearted little boy and then being the psycho inside well, the boy's body. He does a good job for a kid of his age. Well, you know who he, who, who he was, who he is? Mm-mm. Georgie from It. 
Oh, he is He's Georgie. Georgie. <laughs> he is Georgie. Now you like him even more. Even more. <laughs> I we love Georgie. Oh, my God. So he does a really good job. Uh, Taylor Schilling plays the mom, and she does a fine job as well. And then Brittany Allen, who has made a lot of horror films uh, and did a really, really good job in a zombie movie from a couple of years ago called It Stains the Sands Red. Uh, and she has kind of a late film appearance and does the best job with her uh, small amount of screen time. So most of the performances are quite good. I think part of the problem is that they take you down the obvious path of of the sort of will, good or evil, which one is going to defeat the other inside the body of this innocent. Mm-hmm. Where it's more interesting is when it's following what the mom is willing to do. That's a far more interesting and I think creepy notion but they they can't decide really where they're headed with it and but in the end i think the biggest problem besides just lack of originality it's just the pace is so leaden it doesn't move nothing happens there's no action it's just so slow got a few to talk about in home video releasing this week so let's go to the lobby Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Leading the way is Widows out on home video this week. This one I really enjoyed. I think when I finally saw it, I was late getting to it. Uh, When I finally saw it, I enjoyed it, but not as much as I had hoped. Um, I saw, you know, some people that I had talked to had it among the best of the year. I don't think so, but it is. There's, There's plenty to take away from it. I mean... We love a good heist movie. Mm-hmm. Heist movies are fun. Yeah. And this one, the cast is fantastic. Oh, it's crazy you know, great. Steve Viola McQueen Davis. is the director. Oh, yeah. So there's so much talent involved here. But, uh, you know, it, it doesn't quite take it that to the top level of a, of a heist thriller, but totally enjoyable. Yeah, it's, it's much smarter and grittier than your average heist film. So that's, I think, part of the problem. A lot of people went in, not you, but a lot of people went into the film expecting a Liam Neeson movie because he is, he is in it as well. And that's not what they get. It's very, very smart and gritty and serious. It's not fun. It's not oh, funny. No. Yeah. It's deadly serious. The performances are amazing and, and the direction is also amazing. I mean, there are certain scenes and shots where you're like, damn, yeah, this, is is a, this is an Oscar-winning director right That here. is true. And and editing, uh, I thought directing and oh, editing yeah. and yeah. this really really helped a lot. But uh, but yeah, I re- think we both really enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. but not maybe of, among the best of the year. Also out uh, next week, one that really got pretty much ignored: the Sisters Brothers. Like all of Joaquin Phoenix's great Man, movies from last year, he did. He had such a great year, and, and nobody hardly saw any anybody of them. saw any of them. And now, this is a it's a weird kind of a western. He's in it. John C. Riley is in it. He's also great. Riz Ahmed is in it. Also great. Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Also great. It's but it's an unusual little western uh, sort of film that spills out in front of you, and I think that might have thrown people off. It's it's unpredictable and a little meandering, but it looks great, and all the characters are very fun. Piercing is out on video this week, and this is one that just also came out in um, theaters, limited run, in the last couple of weeks, because we just saw it recently, and it's it's the, the next movie from um, the director of a movie we love called The Eyes of My Mother. Uh, if you like horror movies, uh, see this movie. Track it down. Uh, this is that director's next movie, and it's... It's a little strange in where it goes. It, I could see it being you, you could see it being a play because it's very yeah. much a, a two person two person story going on here. Power shifting and things like this, mm-hmm. things like that, and it's uh, it's interesting. It is, and it, but it's funny. It is kind of an exercise in thwarted satisfaction 
And in being that, I think a lot of people aren't going to particularly care for it as a film. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah, it, it my, my people might want more of a more of a resolution mm-hmm. than they get. But it goes some it goes some weird places. And um, it's Mia Wasikowski and Christopher Abbott who was in uh, if you saw it comes at night. Yeah, uh, he was the the second guy uh, who who's, who was married to um, Riley Keough that comes in. Anyway, it it's a battle of wills in a psychosexual kind of way between these two. And uh, as we mentioned, the director, uh, we like very much Nicholas Pesky from uh, The Eyes of My Mother. So it's almost like one you don't want to turn away from because you think something weird is going to happen. And weird things do happen and unexpected things happen. But also it might leave people a little like, huh. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. Was, what was the point of that? Yes. But uh, but still it might be worth checking out. And The Girl in the Spider's Web, the latest for Lisbeth Salander is out uh, on video which I thought was a bit of a bit of a disappointment it's a perfectly satisfactory thriller uh, director Fetty Alvarez takes it over mm. who we like yes. a lot and uh, Claire Foy takes over the role who everybody likes yeah I just thought everything was a little bit of a step down because it just seemed it seemed to be too much James Bond right and if anything from the beginning that role of Elizabeth Salander is a anti-James Bond, right. really. Yes. And it just seemed to be someone else's movie mm-hmm. uh, to me. But still, had plenty of satisfactory, thrilling, you know, thriller elements to it. But uh, all in all, I think kind of, uh, I was wishing for that, more of that, you know, that cold, sterile kind mm-hmm. of atmosphere mm-hmm. of the previous mm-hmm. films. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, Claire Foy is very talented, but I just didn't think she really brought a lot new right, no. uh, or distinctive uh, to this part. And bringing up the rear in more ways than one, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I know this made a boatload of money. So much money. And I couldn't stand it. Nope, um, you couldn't. It's one of those that faces that problem. We've talked about it before. When you're going to make a movie of something, you know. That's so, already perfect. Well, that, and you have to add so much narrative to get it to the length of a feature film. Mm-hmm. You know, when the original Grinch was a 23-minute TV show. Um, it's hard to do. Every now and then you can do it. We mentioned um, how uh, where the wild things yeah. are. They did that one and made it and added what they added was worthwhile. Yep. I think what they add here to make it a feature film is not worthwhile right. and uh, just left me cold. But it millions and billions of dollars later. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares what you Nobody thought, George. Nobody cares. <laughs> looking, at, looking ahead to next week, another uh, possible horror movie. To that, like, maybe. To like, maybe. We're hopeful, as you as you said, we always are. Happy Death Day to you. Now, the first Happy Death Day, you thought it was all right? I did. I thought yeah. it was clever and fun. I mean, it's certainly not groundbreaking or amazing, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, and also Alita Battle Angel coming out next week. It looks like a mix of high-tech CGI and some uh, some motion capture and uh, and some real some real life people including Mahershala Ali. Well, uh, there are at least this. three Oscar winners That's in this right. cast, yeah. Yeah, who else? Jennifer Connelly and uh, Christoph Waltz. Oh, yeah. All right, so we'll see how that is. Uh, and we'll talk about that next week. In the meantime, what did you think about uh, everything that came out this week? Let us know. Uh, you can always hit us up on uh, Twitter. That's easy. You can find us at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, or on Facebook and Instagram. We're Mad Wolf Columbus. And, of course, the main website, as always, where you can catch the written reviews of all the movies, plus our horror movie-only podcast, Fright Club. You can find all that at madwolf.com. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. So we hope you'll get in touch. And until next week... She's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend. <laughs> <laughs>
for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>